Hello and welcome to the Dev DC podcast. My name is Shay Reardon, and today we have Jim Cuff, who is currently the CTO of Cuff Technology Solutions. Jim, great to see you, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, good to see you again, Shay. Glad to so, be here. Thanks, Jim. So we're happy to have you. Uh, you come to us today with over 30 years of working experience in technology, and uh, you know we'll get into it a little bit, but prior to starting your own business, uh, you were at Amazon, right? Leading a team of software engineers and scientists in, in Cambridge. Yep, in the Alexa group. Yep. 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 Wonderful. So, uh, Jim, let's just hop right into it. Would Would you mind, you know, telling us your story wherever you want it to begin? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll jump around a little bit and say, you know, cool. uh, direct me where you need to. Right. I'll I'll sure. say that uh, um, for me, I feel like I've been pretty um, lucky in sort of my technology journey and my career journey. Um, as a frame of reference, I'll start um, when I was in college. So I went to Boston College. I went into the School of Management as a finance major. And this is in the 80s. And they had this thing where they're like, hey, computers are going to be like a thing. You need to like know how they work. And, uh, and they had some intro um, technology classes you needed to take. And I'm like, wow, this is way more interesting to me than finance. Right. So um, I'd say that's sort of been um, sort of a touchstone for me throughout my career is like when you find something that's interesting, um, right? If it's sort of like, you know, the notion of if it's got a good smell, like this is something that could be really compelling, um, like dig into it and follow it, right? So, so I ended up graduating BC, double majoring in finance and computer science. Um, the finance has actually served me pretty well um, as I've run larger organizations and need, needed to deal with um, budgets and planning and operational logistics and things like that, that I got through the school of management. But um, for me, I got hooked on the technology, right? So I went from managerial accounting and financial accounting to assembly language, right? So, um, you know, sort of really got right into sort of the lower level tech. And um, even as I've, I've progressed in my career and gotten further away from the sort of hands-on of the technology, um, I've always been sort of a technology enthusiast and interested in knowing how things work and what makes things go. So I think that's that's a piece that that I've sort of um, kept with. I think the other piece I'd share for my career is uh, um, I didn't necessarily get locked into one area. So I started as a programmer, um, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at sort of some of the stuff I did as, you know, a, I did programming, I did systems administration, I did networking, I did a stint as a CIO. Um, I got into sort of a SaaS application delivery, um, right, and then sort of into more modern um, paradigms later in my career. But, but I'd say throughout that, um, while those were different um, jobs, they all had that same characteristic of, there's something new here to learn, there's something that's interesting and, get, and engaging and for me, I was, I've been really lucky in my career. I think about it in a few different buckets. So there's sort of, there's the things you love to do. Yeah. There's the things that you're good at. And there's the things that have value in the market, right? So sure. the things you love to love to do that you're good at maybe, or maybe you're bad at and that aren't valuable in the market, you know, some of those are hobbies, right? Um, you know, some of the things, if, if you're a mission-driven person, you may be good at something, um, you may have a passion for it, and maybe it's not necessarily valuable in the market, but you're like, you know what, I don't care, I'm, I'm doing this because I love it, I don't care if I make a lot of money, but to me, that those, 
those for me, what worked out is I was doing stuff I loved. Um, it turns out I was, I was generally pretty good at it. And there were things that were sort of valuable to companies um, that let me sort of drive my career forward. Um, and I had a couple of different crossroads and I'll, I'll let you jump in a second. Okay. Right? Around, uh, um, I had some decisions around like, do I want to get my MBA? Do I want to go back to sure. school? And, you know, for me at the time, I was working in mass financial services. I was um, running all the network gear. I was running open systems. I had desktops, market data. I'm like, I could go to school and get some more formal education. Um, but the job I'm in now is going to kind of require me to, to, to lean in. And I'm like, I have no pro time for mm -hmm. family or other things if I add another sort of highly structured piece. So like I also... So I think I followed my heart, but I also tried to also um, make some strategic decisions around like, where should I be? How long should I stay there? And like, when can I, when can, for both myself and my family, can we have, you know, manage to like take something on? Right. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you certainly have a diverse background, right? And you, you kind of talked about, you know, you, you've been a programmer, you just talked about managing networking, um, you know, you've done time as a CIO. Uh, you know, we just talked about a little bit about you being the director at the Alexa division, uh, which obviously involves like machine learning. Um, so, you know, there's two, I guess, buckets that I want to put out there, right? One is you seemingly ha ran a, had a bunch of different roles in IT. And then the other one is you worked at a bunch of different kinds of organizations, both in their technology and like the size of, mm -hmm. of the organization ranging from like, you know, Veracode. And you, I mean, you started really early at Iron Mountain, but you were there when, you know, they had data centers in every, uh, you know, large yeah, I, joined, I, I joined Iron Mountain pre-IPO. So, so yeah. you know, I, I joined as a $75 million revenue company left at 3 billion. So. Yeah, that's amazing. And you got to see a good 15 year run as that happened. And, and I'm sure there was a lot that came from that, that, you know, maybe you couldn't get during your MBA. So, uh, you know, what was, was the um, variety in your career? Was that intentional or did it just kind of happen? <laughs> um, candidly, it's a little bit of both, right? right? Okay. So, so um, for me, like my view is, you know, and I'll, I'll use Iron Mountain as an example. So okay. I was there for a long time. Um, but I'd say I never had the same job for more than two years. So I was lucky enough to take on new challenges and sort of grow my career without needing to change companies. Mm -hmm. um, right. And, you know, I was lucky enough to not have to, you know, go find a new place to work or change my, my commuting schedule or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but, but I wasn't necessarily locked into a single thing. Um, for that whole time, right? And in terms of, you know, what was purposeful versus lucky, I think it's definitely both, right? I, I think I had some good opportunities at the right time, um, you know, but I also say there were there were pieces where, um, you know, I did make decisions around like, hey, this is not gonna work for okay. me, right? Yeah. So for yeah. example, I uh, was working at a quasi state agency, um, you know, early in my career, um, got excellent reviews and, it's, you know, a state budget. And the answer is like, you did a really good job. Everybody's getting a cost of living adjustment. You're, you're not going to get any type of a raise based on your performance and based mm -hmm. on where I was in my career and what I saw sort of opportunities moving forward. For me, that wasn't the right choice at the time to stay. So I'm like, okay, I learned a lot, but I'm, you know, it probably doesn't make sense for me to be here for a really long time. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, so it's sort of a combination of that, you know, thinking analytically about it, but then also like, hey, this is super interesting. I can really lean into this and learn a lot here. So. Yeah, and that goes to your third bucket, right? Your value in your market. Make sure you <laughs> capture that. Um, so I want to tell like a quick story and then I think you'll probably know where my question's going to go okay. or at least a little bit what I'm thinking. So in, in 2009 and, you know, we're dating ourselves and people are going to figure out my age. I was an intern, right? Um, and I was at Iron Mountain where you were and we would oh, yeah. do like meetings um, with leadership, right? Like for C-level people. And one of the questions came up was... Um, you know, these are the business leaders at an IT company. And I think for all the listeners out there, people know what Iron Mountain is for the most part, but, you know, a multi-billion dollar organization uh, storing some of the most important data in the world, across the world. And um, there's certain expectations of IT to deliver to the business. And one of the questions was, hey, how do you determine when a product is going to be released? And your name came up as one of the IT leaders that people would talk to for understanding the true timelines to ship product, right? Okay. Um, so my question to you is like, how did you um, get to the place to earn that kind of reputation? Um, and it's kind of an interesting thing because I think as a leader, and, and this gets to like when, when people look at, um, I think leaders can be different than managers, right? You don't need to mm -hmm. be a manager to be a leader. And I think, you know, uh, when you, you're in an organization, you want to be somebody who's trusted to provide judgment. And I think one of the things that I think that um, I try to do is make sure you're, you're able to make the hard calls, right? And, and I think part of it is also being willing to, to be brave enough to be a truth teller, even if you need to tell somebody something they don't want to hear, right? So, yeah. um, and, you know, I, I think you can, uh, you can aspire to do that. But then what needs to happen is you need to actually do it when the moment comes, right? When someone's yeah, like, right. hey, you know, the release is Friday. We've got this big customer who really wants this. Like right. everybody's going to be like really upset if this release doesn't go out. Like if the right answer is, yeah, but everybody's going to be even more upset on Monday when it breaks. So the answer is no. Mm -hmm. And like, I'll go talk to you, the customer and tell them why, right? Like, so I think you need to be able to, if that situation comes up, um, be able to sort of uh, step above the fray a little bit and and provide um, the best answer, even if it's not the answer people want to hear. Um, right. Right. And then 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 there may be times when it's it's an opportunity to be a little more aggressive. And if you build some credibility around, um, you're not someone who's just going to ship stuff willy nilly. Um, you know, I think there's there's a judgment piece now. And I think when you look at modern software development and CI/CD. Um, in a mature practice, the answer should be, if my pipeline's green, it's going to get shipped. If something goes wrong, it's going to auto roll back. And this is going to be a complete non-event, right? So um, when you don't have that, and then sometimes you need to rely on, um, you know, sort of bigger change management decision-making, I think that's where that piece would come in. Yeah. And things have certainly changed since 2009, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> the idea of being a leap of software delivery wasn't really there. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting segue, right? Like, you know, you spent 15 years at Iron Mountain. Um, then I want to get the timeline right. From there, was it was it Vericode? Vericode, yeah. Yeah, and, and then Constant Contact after Vericode. Yeah. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about um, what it was like leading 
um, like an engineering team at an organization like a Veracode and a constant contact where it's such high growth and it's, um, you know, kind of forward thinking yeah. technology. Yeah. And, and for me, um, it wasn't much different than what, how I thought about it at Iron Mountain, right? So, mm -hmm. so, so I've got sort of, you know, some stuff for me that that's over the years, I figured out like these are the things that drove a lot of this part of my career, right? So, so for me, um, whenever I went to a different role, I was like, there was four things that I would look for in general, right? So, so one is like, people matter, right? Like the people you work with matter. You know, you can use lots of different words, whether it be around uh, culture, company values, whatever it may be, but sort of the people you're doing something with matter, um, right? The team matters, right? And for me, it's not just the team you lead, but it's also the team you're on and who your peers are and how you support each other. Um, the second piece was like, are we actually on a shared mission? Do we have alignment around what we're trying to get done? Um, you know, and then, and then for me, the couple of things that, that, that I think are maybe a little bit more specific for what I was looking for is, is I'm a scale person. I like technology at scale, mm -hmm. right? So um, whether it was figuring out how to make something go at Iron Mountain or figuring out for Veracode, how we could support some, uh, some really important use cases around, you know, like how can we get these results to customers back quicker? Like, you know, at, th at yeah. that point it was the scale for Veracode was, all right, we're trying to move into CICD um, getting results for scan in a day doesn't really work in a CI uh, approach, right? Or even yeah. CD, right? Like you can't have a gate that takes 24 hours, right? So, so the notion of scale is not just do more, but do more faster, right? So, so for me, tech at scale has always been a big piece. Um, and then the last piece is, is for me, which is related to scale, is being in a company that's winning and really growing, right? So, um, and part of that is because it's, uh, um, you know, I, and I think uh, um, you may know who this is that says this, but I'll say, you know, there's, there's two types of problems, you know, there's revenue problems and all other kinds of problems. And you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, if the cash register is ringing and your company's growing, um, it's worthwhile to solve those hard technical problems because they matter. They're going to they're going to prevent growth of the business. Um, so when I went to Veracode, um, it was very similar to where we were at Iron Mountain. We were trying to, you know, and, and you know from when you were there, right? Trying to grow a digital business, right? Trying to get into a new space, mm -hmm. um, trying to expand. Um, and the growth problems are, are the interesting ones. So when I went to Veracode, similar deal, right? The company was growing, right? And you look across, you know, its people, its process, and its technology. Like, the, at least the good thing for me is at least I still think about it as you still have those pieces that are kind of durable, even if the, the details change, right? And you can't really grow if you don't look at all three. Right. Um, right. And, and the, the technology has changed. I started off like classic project management, waterfall, like let's write it all down and then we'll like try to do software construction, mm -hmm. um, you know, led several agile transformations. And that gets super interesting because like that is people process and technology and it makes it better for devs right, or software engineers. It makes yeah. it better for the customer. It's better for the company, right? So, right. so, so you brought up, and I'm going to go to your most recent experience leading engineers. Um, mm -hmm. You brought up it's better for the software engineers, right? right. Uh, so you're leading the team, you know, the Alexa division as a director at, at Amazon. And obviously, uh, that's probably some of the top talent that's out there as far as... Um, their skill set, right? 
Yeah. What would you, uh, I'm thinking you're a part of the hiring process. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what, what were you looking for, um, you know, from a good hire? I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and this is one of the, you'll hear a lot of different things from people who have been at Amazon or have worked at Amazon. Yeah. Um, and I'm clearly not an Amazon spokesperson or never, never was. Right? I appreciate that disclaimer. <laughs> Everyone heard that. This yeah. is recorded. Yep. Yeah. But, but I, I would say that, that um, there are a couple of things that Amazon, you know, I think really got right on the hiring process um, around being purposeful, which I think is helpful as a hiring manager. So, so there were a couple of things that, that I found really helpful to help eliminate bias, right? So, so one is um, if you're on an interview team, like you've got a job on that team in terms of what you're looking to do, right? So um, are you interviewing against, in the case of Amazon, a leadership principle? Are you doing a tech screen for a certain area of the technology that's important? Mm -hmm. um, Right. So, so the notion is, you know, if you're going to interview somebody, um, like you got to have a plan, like, what are you trying to get out of the interview? Yeah. Um, I think the, the other part um, that I tried really hard to do is, is, you know, it's not about trying to trick somebody or get somebody a gotcha question, right? The goal is to really understand where they're at, right? Sometimes that means they give you a really good answer and you push more to see like how far can they go? Yeah. Sometimes maybe they're completely off track and you help them out early and say, like, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm really trying to understand how you think about scaling to like 5,000 transactions per second, sure. not, not 10. Right. And then like, and that's not to trick them. It's to make sure you don't end up at the end of the interview and say, well, I don't think they know about scale because you went down the wrong path. Right. So, so I think for, as an interviewer, those are some of the things that were important. Um, I'd say two other pieces that I think are takeaways that I, I still use when I interview folks is a like I take really detailed notes. Um, so if I'm interviewing somebody, like I'm banging away on my keyboard um, while I'm interviewing them, um, and I sort of politely say, "Hey, I'm I'm not slacking somebody off to the side. <laughs> I'm taking my notes." Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, and that was and and the reason I had to do that is at Amazon you couldn't say this person doesn't know scale and have that be good enough. Someone would say, "What do you mean? Why do you think that?" What question did you ask? What answer did they give? Right. So you'd have to be precise. Right. right. Um, you couldn't just allude to something. Um, and I think the other piece that I thought was really valuable is uh, um, um, to prevent sort of bias and driving, you know, your thinking into someone else is you don't talk to anybody about the person you interviewed um, before they do. Right. So I wouldn't say like, hey, Shay, I just saw this person. They were awesome. Yeah, right. You know? Not like, like, I think they're, I think I'm not going to disagree with you, Jim. Right. <laughs> right? Or, or, uh, or I just talked to this person. I think they're a dud, right? Like instead yeah. like you should be able to form your own opinion. Um, and then we should come together and share and like, and, and hopefully the other thing I thought that was really interesting is, is, uh, you could get into a hiring decision and have differing opinions where one person would say like, Hey, I thought they were good at this. Someone might say, I thought they were weak at this. And yeah. then you'd actually talk about the details and more times than not, you'd, you'd arrive on a, a really good conclusion on where that person is. Interesting. So I know that's a lot on hiring and in terms of if you're yeah. being hired, uh, I think the piece I'd say is, uh, um, or if you're in an interview process is just be clear about what you know and what you don't know. Right. And, mm. um, you know, the goal is about a match, right. And I think we're lucky enough in technology and I know it's not true for everyone. Um, 
that there there are a lot of roles and I yeah. know sometimes it's hard to break in but you know uh, um, a lot of folks are in a lucky position where they can say I want to find a role that's a good match for me where I can bring my whole self to work versus yeah. I have to take this job because I need it economically and I think if you're in a position where um, you have some flexibility um, I think look for a place where the interview process works for you. You feel like you can be your true self. You feel yeah, like absolutely. you can articulate what you really know. Um, and then people are like, I want that, right? Because you want to, you want to match, right? right. A place where you're excited about joining the company and they're excited about having you there. Oh, and, totally. and, and neither of you is perfect, right? <laughs> like, why would anyone take a job that they're hundred percent qualified for and that they, they don't have anything to learn when they get there? Yeah, right. It, it actually makes me think, uh, I was doing wealth management out, right out of school and I saw her, it was like an ad because on like, I don't know what channel we were watching, some finance channel about betterment. And I was like, wow, they must have paid a lot of money for that ad because everyone's a wealth manager who's watching how technology <laughs> is disrupting wealth management. And then I was like, oh no. And then uh, I started in technology uh, and then I realized I could just show up and be myself every day. And I was like, this is just wonderful. You know, there wasn't my Monday through Friday Shay and then a Saturday, Sunday Shay. Yeah. It was like, this is just me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and once you find that fit, it's, uh, it changes your life totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, how would you guys go about making sure like engineers were, were well-trained and, you know, they were keeping up with like the latest and greatest because you guys have this, these elite talents that have to fit from both a culture standpoint uh, and from a technology standpoint, but they're going to keep wanting to get better at their skills, right? Yeah. Like, what were you guys doing to making sure that, and, th and this doesn't have to speak to just, you know, what programs Amazon has, but are there certain uh, resources that are out there that people are leveraging to, for instance, keep up with like the latest on machine learning, which I know your guys yeah. section was big in. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is one thing where we're, I think the answer changes based on the organization size, right? So I think yeah. there's certain things that an Amazon type company can do that may not fit in all companies. Yeah. Uh, but thematically, I, th I think they can. So, so yeah, well, they have they, some of the, <laughs> they're like one of those companies that have the unlimited resources, right? Like a Facebook or a Google yeah. or <laughs> and, and, not and, everyone can be Amazon. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think, but there are some things. So for example, um, when you hire a new employee, like you should have a, a plan for how they're going to get ramped up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Amazon is big on mechanisms, right? Which is the notion of you have a process and it's a closed loop process so that you can make sure that it's followed and you have the ability to self-correct if something goes off track. Um, sure. But even as simple as like, hey, if we're going to hire some people, right? And a, a smaller scale version is that is maybe it's not a formal launch plan, but like you should have a wiki with new hire resources, right? You should have an onboarding buddy that helps people mm -hmm. figure out how to get started, right? You should you should be clear around like, what are the expectations? Uh, I, I had one client um, that, that as they started, weren't, weren't great necessarily at the onboarding piece. And, and one of the things I found through conversations that a couple of the new hires um, who, who then had some tenure at the company are like, wow, I was super nervous in the first few weeks because I didn't know what was going on. And I was worried people would be like, you know, the imposter syndrome kick, kicks in. Like people are going to be like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't have hired you because you don't know what you're doing. Meanwhile, the company perspective was, of course, you don't know what you're doing. You're getting ramped up. You're learning. We've got a complex system. There's a lot for you to learn. So 
So I think the, there's a piece around the ramp up, which is again, like what are those expectations? And not only how are you gonna help a new hire get up to speed, um, but how are they gonna feel good about getting up to speed? Like, like there's nothing like that first check-in, right? Like, yeah, yeah, right, totally, I, I know it. Yeah. I can build something, I can check it in, right? Like, like there's some pieces where like an understanding, like when is when should you be able to do that? Should you be able to do that on your first day, your first week? Um, like, interesting. Uh, you know, are you going to be pairing with somebody? Can you pair on your own machine, or is it going to take you like a month to get your workers <laughs> out? Right. Like, so, right. so there's a bunch of stuff like that. I think that that Amazon did really well, but I think other companies also do, can do, do do well around being purposeful around the onboarding process. Mm -hmm. um, and then the question is like, what does career development look like? Right. right. So, so where you know, and, and there's the notion of where can you grow your skills on the job, right? Like okay, here's an interesting project that aligns with what you're looking to do. Um, can, can we move you into that project or can you work on that? Um, I think there's some things that are different in Amazon than other companies. And I don't want to talk too much about Amazon, yeah. but around empowerment of engineers. When you have that many engineers at a company, mm -hmm. there's a lot of mobility to switch to different teams or to work on something new. Um, right. You may not necessarily have that in a smaller organization, um, but that doesn't mean you can't, again, advocate for here's something I want to learn um, and I want to get involved in it. And if there's a project that lines up, you can work on it. Um, and if not, then it may just be career development, right? Right. Um, and the notion of, and I know we're, you know, in a, in a time where maybe going to a conference or an in-person training um, isn't something that makes perfect sense. Um, but there are also a lot of online opportunities to learn things. And there's also a lot of opportunity for um, enrichment and finding like where are ways to get started. And I also think if you're in an organization that um, uses lean practices where you're doing a lot of experiments, um, oftentimes you can also use lean or use a spike in a sprint to say, hey, maybe we're not ready to go all in on machine learning, but um, this is a problem that might make sense to use a classifier for. Let's look for an off the shelf classifier um, you know, throw some training data at it and see what comes out. Like you don't need to be um, a PhD yeah. in machine learning um, to get your, you know, to get a taste of some of this stuff, potentially add some value to the company and maybe figure out like, hey, do I have a passion here? Is this something I want to go deeper in or not? Right. We can't do online conferences, but you can kind of be everywhere online or sorry, we can't do in-person conferences, yeah. but you kind of be anywhere online in be just like everybody else showing up. So you don't have to yeah. be confined to just DC or Boston, right? Yeah. And, and um, I've seen that with like, like uh, I'm somewhat active in DevOps Days Boston, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff is, uh, and, and also some of the local meetups. Um, like I have, I have a, a colleague who's in Christchurch, New Zealand. I'm like, hey, this is a pretty cool session we're doing next week. Um, that evening, our time happens to be morning their time. Like, and he's like, cool, I'll, I'll carve off an hour and a half and yeah i'll join the boston devops crew for uh, for a little bit of time so sure. yeah it's interesting right and i think i'm gonna use this to segue into what you're doing right now at cuff technology solutions right um i think you mentioned the other day that you're currently doing some work for a customer that's not local at all um yeah. so that that's probably changed your business and what you're able to accomplish right now but um, just wanted to open up to you. Can, can you tell me like some of the, I guess, the bigger challenges that you're dealing with right now? What kind of challenges you're helping, you know, folks solve yeah. when they uh, look to you? 
and, and, and again, it, some of it for me, um, I'm lucky enough that I, I've been able to work on the things that I find interesting. And I come back to still those same sort of four touchstones, like I love working with people I like to work with, Yep. right? Company that's got a mission that makes sense, that's coherent. Um, and, and, and I get involved in things where there's, there's scale problems or the company's worried about um, what I'll call like a success disaster, which is that thing where it's like, wow, things are going so good. This might actually end up looking like some type of disaster if we don't stay ahead. Right. Just like, okay, wow, we just got, we doubled, we just signed our biggest customer. Like as soon as you're done celebrating, you're like, all right, are they going to be referenceable? All right. right. Are gonna, well, that's going to be exactly. upset? Are they going to ask for their money back? Or are we going to, or is this going to be like one of the biggest successes that gets us to the next level? Right. So, right. So when I get engaged, it's you, it's usually, um, um, you know, and, and for me, for, for, for what I'm doing, I'm usually brought in either by a CEO or, or a, a GM of a large division um, who's sort of a business person that's like, you know what, um, there's something here on our tech side that, that uh, I need support from my team to make sure that we are successful at this next level of scale, right? It's like, okay, we're growing and, and, and my team might need some support or I may need to suss out a few things to, to get to the next level. Um, or the other is I've got someone who's just like me, who's um, run really large engineering teams, and they've got a strategic project. And I'm like, you know, this project is so important that they should personally be paying a lot of attention to, but based on their span of control and the scope of the role, they don't have the time to really pay attention to that strategic initiative the way they should. And I've, I've had clients that are like, I need you to go there and like do what I would do, and then tell me when I need to get involved, right? Yeah. Um, and again, it's not abdicating the responsibility. I, I view it as uh, they care enough about it that they brought me in to make sure it goes right, right? And that it'll be right. done the way they want it to do or they want it to be done, so. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, that's fine. So it lets you get to work with some interesting problems and some folks that are, like, again, it's all about scale, right? So. Uh, right. Uh, so you've, you've obviously accomplished quite a bit and uh, I know you beyond just your career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a great father. Uh, you and Michelle have what I can see is a great relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's not like an easy thing to balance when, uh, you know, you're managing your career the way that you have and been so successful. So how do you go about, like, I'm going to call it work-life balance. How do you strike that? Um, I'll, I'll give you two answers on, on this one. So I think there's, there's one that's just about um the personal side of it which is mm -hmm. around um you've only got one life right so when people say work-life balance um that there's the notion that there's a work life and a personal life which 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 I, obviously you know uh there is that notion of balance um but there really is one life and you're one person right so, so i think that when um, at least my view is is um and when you've got a partner in life and you've got a family um, there's the notion of like, how do you all stay hopefully in sync around what your goals are, where you're going to spend your time and how things are going to work. Right. Um, and when you're not in sync, how do you figure it out and sort of work it out? Um, I think that's, that's one piece. I think the other that I think is helpful, been helpful for me is especially when you're in, um, a leadership role. Um, but I'd also say specifically in a management role, um, people look to see um, 
how do you behave and how do your, you know, and, and obviously I've been a manager of managers and how do those folks behave, right? So, so I think there's a way to be purposeful around, um, you know, how you behave and where you sort of maybe have your own back and also have your people's backs, right? So like the notion of, right? Like I was at one company, I won't say which one. And someone's like, hey, I got here at nine o'clock. Nobody was at their desk. And I'm like, mm. well, there were a couple of people at their desk, but if you want people to punch a clock from nine to five, like that's not what we do, right? Like people were, you know, and not that it's about like checking how many hours you work, but I'm like, like people are doing check-ins at 10 PM. Do you want me to put you on the, uh, the check-in list so you can see when code's being committed? Like, yeah. which was a bluff because they should also, you know, I don't want people to be committing code at 10 o'clock at night if they don't want to. Right. So yeah, point taken um, though. But yeah. you know, but the notion was like, Hey, we're not, we're not clock watchers here. Right. So there's a piece around sort of having your people's back. Around, yeah. That's like, exactly what I was thinking. You, you know, had your people's back. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, yeah, we, we, we take the business seriously. We're going to get done what needs to be done. We're going to take care of business. Um, but we're also going to lead our lives and like, like, and this was a startup, like, it's not like people weren't working hard. They were working super hard. Mm. Um, I think the other piece is as a manager, um, making it okay for other people to live their lives. Right. So like, I've like, you know, and it's small, I think it can be small things. Right. So, um, like I had someone that's like, um, Hey, I've got to go to a doctor's appointment tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Is that okay? And my first thing was like, you don't need to check with me to go to a doctor's appointment. <laughs> but what yeah. I would like you to do is please make sure you tell your team that you decided that you have a doctor's appointment to go to and you won't be in until later, right? In a way that makes it okay that when, when somebody on your team needs to book a doctor's appointment, right? That they'll feel, they won't feel like, oh, can I, can I, can I have a medical issue in the middle of the day? Is that okay? Like, right. like yes, it is. Like, and so everyone's a person. And how do you set that tone to make it maybe a little bit less uncomfortable? Um, Right. And so I think there's some pieces like that, that, that um, help you get into better habits around work-life balance, right. And things and, and, and a way to sort of lean in and like um, maybe be a little bit more vocal. And I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm a little bit of a private person, but, but as a manager, you need to be able to be saying like, Hey, it's important that I tell people the reason I'm going to be out this afternoon is because I'm going to watch um, a high school sports event that one of my kids is in because someone else might want to do that same thing. And not that they need my permission, but that if they see I'm doing it too, it makes it more okay. Um, so, you know, I know that that's, that's a lot sort of on the workload. Yeah. Well, you manage um, managers too, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's part of yeah. um, what you had to answer there. And, and I think that also does connect to, um, you know, and sort of the private pieces, like it's okay to be private. You don't need to share everything. Um, and you want to make sure that folks are comfortable. So you want to be comfortable yourself in how you share. Um, but you also want to make sure that, um, you know, people can, you know, when you're on your team and you're thinking about work-life balance, that you can have boundaries. Like you can say, I'm going to be out tomorrow morning. Um, I'm taking sick time, right? You don't need to say that you have a medical appointment or that you're having a specific test or that you're super nervous about it. Now, maybe you want to, but mm -hmm. that's a personal decision where the boundaries should be like, it's okay to just say, I have a personal thing, I'm, I'm gonna have to be out, right? Right. Now, if you're comfortable and you can bring your whole self and you wanna share more, I think that's okay. But I think it's also okay to have boundaries around um, what you wanna share 
um, that are comfortable for the individual. Right. right. That helps with work life, you know, that bringing your whole self, having one life and sort of figuring out how to get things done. And, spent, and you know, and I know it's different in certain roles, right? So if you're like working in a command center and you're supposed to be looking at events at certain times, yeah. Um, like you may have to, you know, it may be harder, you know, you may have to schedule that time, right? Or have somebody cover for you, right? Or if, or if you're in an on-call rotation, um, you may have some have somebody take your on-call, um, but it's still the same thing, which is right, sort of being purposeful around like, I need to take this time for myself and I need to find the way that it works for me um, to share with the company what I have to share and also share with my teammates what, what I want to share around, uh, what I'm doing, but I, I will add that asterisk that that if you're a manager or a leader, um, just challenge yourself self to share a little. If you're someone who doesn't share a lot, to share a little bit more if you think it'll help give other people the permission to sort of behave the way that helps them. Does, mm. that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. Um, there was a a leader from uh, Dell Tech who, who was in my area and. Well, when he, I thought he put it in an interesting way. He was like, you know, as a leader, um, I keep this in mind myself and I tell other people. So like, if you're, if you have a meeting and then you also have like your kids rehearsal or ball game or whatever yeah. it is, like in 10 years from now or five years from now, yeah. when you look back, you're not going to remember what that meeting was about, but your kid's yeah. probably going to remember that you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, when you're scheduling your day, your day, just like keep that in mind, you know, that, yeah. you know, your personal life should come first in a lot of ways, a lot of situations, yeah. but. Totally agree. And I, and I also think that, um, um, and, and I liked your example, but it also made me think that um, you want to make sure that you normalize all examples, right? So, mm -hmm. so we all can speak from our personal experience. Yeah. And I don't think you should try to project for someone else, but there also can sometimes be the thing where it's like, um, it's okay to take the morning, you know, off to go to your, to go to your kid's recital, but if you don't have kids and you've got something else that's equally important in your personal life, um, that should be okay too, right? So yeah. it's a matter of striking that balance versus, um, if you fit a certain profile or norm, um, these are the set of things that are okay. If you're in a different profile, um, like there's another set of things that are important to you that fall into that personal right. time slash medical time. I think that's a really good point, Jim, especially like right now. Um, Cause I'm at, I'm at the stage of my life where what I'm usually busy with this time of year is I go to a wedding like every weekend. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that is why I'm leaving on, you know, a Thursday at five or like off early on a Friday and things like that. And then, you know, folks have kids and maybe right now that's their reason you know yeah. they're taking an extended vacation or something like that but yeah. my weddings aren't happening you know so yeah. it's like yeah i could just keep working forever <laughs> because my personal events that usually uh you know cause me to strike a work-life balance are kind of canceled <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's a that's a good thing for you to bring up um so i i just want to i bring up a few things that that you mentioned here and then yeah. i'll give you the mic for whatever you want to talk about but uh as we wrap up so one thing where you kicked it off saying if it, if it, it's a good smell, like dig into it. Right. And that's, uh, you know, you're initially a finance major and you picked up computer science and took tech and ran with it. Right. So that was something that I thought was interesting. And then, um, you talked about like the three buckets of, of like, uh, you know, when you're picking your career, there's things that you love to do, things that you're good at, 
and things that have value in the market. Um, so that I thought that was interesting. And then you were talking actually about, um, you know, four things like for an organization when you're looking at like a good next step. And it was like people, people matter, teams matter. Um, the mission matters. That's the third one. And then like scale. And then um, is it winning? Is it growing? Right. Um, so that's kind of, cause there's so many opportunities out there in tech right now. There's so many companies. Right. And I think, you know, as I look back on the career, my career so far that when I've been happiest at an organization, it, it has hit all those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, revenue problems and all the problems. I thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> when looking at companies um, in that you're only one person, right? I, I say work-life balance and you're like, Hey, you can only divide You can't divide yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's how you, one of the reasons you've been so successful well, as a and, well-rounded and think- person. And there's a lot of people that do divide themselves, right? Yeah. Where, where you behave. And I think you even talked about, right? It's, is this yeah. the work Shay or the casual Shay? And, and I think there's, there's folks that, uh, um, that, that do do that today and some that have to do that in order to be considered appropriate for the role they're in. Right. And I think when I think about like, what am I hopefully optimistic about in terms of where's technology going is the notion where you can bring your unique self to work and be one person, right? And that a lot of sort of the preconceived notions around what does it mean to be a really good software engineer, right? And some of the things that sort of historically with like the, the bro culture you'd see in some organizations um, like become less of the norm. And the notion mm-hmm. is like, I'm not gonna be able to look at you and then decide you're a good profile for a software engineer, right? And then the, the way you speak or how, um, you know, uh, um, how you express yourself can be based on how you uniquely like to express yourself versus some preconceived norm right. that forces you to be two different people, like the one you really are and the one you have to be in order to get by in the work world. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I guess as we look to wrap this up, Jim, I mean, that was a, a good statement. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to, uh, I guess, share with the listeners before we kind of bring this home? Um, I, I guess the last piece I'd say is that I, I think it's an exciting time in technology, right? So, yeah. so I've been engaged in, a, in technology for, for quite a while and, and seen a lot of different change. Um, I think that um, some of the changes I'm most optimistic about is um, when you look at things like reducing cognitive load, you look at things around sort of what can make it sort of better if, I, and if I'm thinking about sort of from the engineer standpoint, right? Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting problems to solve. There's a lot of interesting technology to use to solve it, but I think there's also a lot of uh, um, really good opportunities to, to have engineers be really close to the value they're creating. Mm-hmm. Like when you talk about, when I talk about, you know, there's revenue problems and other problems, right. a lot of software engineers are like, I don't want to talk about revenue. I don't want to talk about selling stuff. Right. I want to solve this really interesting technical problem. Right. Um, but I think being able to connect that interesting technical problem um, to the person who's going to get value out of it, mm-hmm. uh, I think is, is more easy to do today. And I think, you know, when you look at like lean methodologies and the ability to sort of uh, work as an embedded team where you understand where the customer value is going um, and the ability to speed up that development process. So it's not like I'm going to work on this thing for nine months and then it's going to ship and then we're going to start selling it. And then like later on, we'll find out if we did something valuable. Like I think the fact that we're moving to a much higher velocity um, sort of capability, I think is super exciting. 
right? Yeah, that it goes back to like what I noticed in 2009, right? Because for me at that time, I was like, okay, like Jim Cuff is pretty closely connected to the actual revenue of Iron Mountain, right? Because you have the sea level people asking you, hey, when can I sell this? You know, because right. <laughs> people are asking for it. When can we actually get revenue? I'm sorry, I've never heard a salesperson ask, when can I sell this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, why can't I sell this now is probably yeah. what they're yeah. saying. Um, but you just brought up, hey, like more people are having that opportunity where they can get closer to what actually, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like the revenue, sometimes to your point, I think people are thinking that's like a bad thing to talk about, right? A sale, but yeah. more people are having the opportunity to become connected to like an, an, an end solution and solutions have value and that value is monetized. <laughs> yeah, so that right? means at the end of the day, the revenue is a proxy for creating value. And someone thinks that something is valuable enough that, that someone will pay for it, right? So, right, right. Um, so I think as, as engineers and folks on the tech side can get closer to um, why are we doing this? What's the value? And also be part of that um, solution creation process where it's not, I need you to build me this thing. It's, hey, we want to solve this problem for this discrete person or persona. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how we get that done. Right. And maybe you're using containers or lambdas or, you know, talking about your CICD pipeline or whatever it may be is, is part of the how for getting there. But it starts with like, I know why I'm doing this. Yeah, right. The why. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Jim. Well, you know, during this time, like we want to bring value to the listeners. Um, Jim, I think it was an excellent conversation. And, you know, we, we try to speak to people that are in IT. So like, you know, the, the engineers that are out there, the developers that are out there, um, the folks that are listening, if, if there's someone you have in mind who want to bring on, who's like Jim and, you know, we can have an awesome conversation and it can help provide some like advice and just some insight into what's happening out there and what's available. Um, you know, please, you know, let me know, um, you know, any feedback is appreciated. And then until next time, uh, thank you again, Jim, this was awesome. And, uh, hope you, hopefully you have a wonderful day and a great weekend. Yeah. It's always good to talk, Shay. Enjoy the time. Thanks, Jim. Bye. Bye. Bye.